0: Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck.
1: Intensity is not a perfume. Oh, mercy. Five, four, three, two, one. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Mass and All Access podcast. We are concluding our off-season reviews, position by position, for your 2018 Washington Nationals. If you missed any of our previous episodes, please go back and check them out. Some good discussions on the starting rotation last week. Of course, Bryce Harper in the outfield. Who should they get for their starting second baseman, catcher, yada, yada, yada. But today... Bobby Blanco, Paul Mancano, say how to the people, Paul.
0: Hey, how's it going, everybody?
1: We're going to be talking about the relievers. Um, and if you missed our previous podcast, or you just want to go back and listen to this one, be sure to check us out on SoundCloud at soundcloudcom access. Also on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. You can also follow Mass and Nationals on Twitter and Facebook, and our personal accounts, Bobby underscore Blanco and at Paul Mancano. Um, so, Paul, relievers. Kind of convenient that we're doing this now. We saved the best for last, I guess, because the True. only offseason moves, still very young, World Series just ended a couple weeks ago, but the only offseason moves the Nationals have made so far yeah. are in the bullpen. Yeah, They traded for Kyle Bearclaw uh, with the the, uh, the Marlins, sending them some international bonus money to, to get the, the Mesa brothers. And then uh, they just last week, or I guess announced it on November 3rd, signed uh, Trevor Rosenthal as a free agent. So two acquisitions early in the offseason for Mike Rizzo to bolster up the bullpen. He's
0: probably the only GM that has made two moves within the first week of free agency. Jumping right in there. I mean, I thought we were going to have to wait at least a few weeks to find out who they were going to go after, but we get a couple names now. I think it's good that we have these names now. If we had done this a week ago, this podcast would be null and void. Uh, so we can go through, I think, those two. Let's let let's start with Kyle Berklaw and Trevor Rosenthal because they are the newest additions, and we have to look at what kind of contracts they signed and how they can help this bullpen.
1: Yeah, Kyle Berklaw again comes over from Miami. He had a 420 ERA in 61 games with the Marlins this past season. Uh, the ERA has gone down every season since he came up in 2015, but... Um, He's a guy that knows the division. Uh, he can, he can play. Uh, yeah. he's we, We've seen him be productive even against the Nationals. And um, you know, you think about what happened to this bullpen over the course of this season. They lost a lot of veteran uh, leadership in in the back end in terms of trading away Sean Kelly, Ryan Matson, Brandon Kinsler. Yep. Just Sean Doolittle's was back there basically as as a, and and Greg Holland and Calvin Herrera are now free agents. So. Currently, it's just Sean Doolittle as a veteran presence back there, so they go get two guys in their late 20s, have been around the game, and Kyle Bearclaw definitely fits that bill.
0: He does. This is We're going to go through some of the names, a bullpen that doesn't have a whole lot of experience, as you mentioned. A lot of these names are guys that saw their first action in 2018 or uh, maybe they were in their second year. So to get somebody who has been around, who, as you said, knows the division and has experience pitching in high-leverage situations, that helps. Bearclaw, though, to me, I mean, he's he's not going to move the needle that much if they get a version of him that is closer to 2017. 2016-15, Kyle Bearclaw, that might look a little bit better in their bullpen. Didn't have a great year, that 420 ERA. If he can get back to the Kyle Bearclaw of years past, I think that would help them a whole lot because they didn't have anybody to throw in high leverage situations once they got into the second half of the season, especially after they traded those guys. So another arm that you, at, at today's day and age, bullpens are just going to keep getting bigger and more important as the years go along. So I yeah. think you cannot shortchange the bullpen. Mike Rizzo understood it. it was a huge need and it's going to be a huge need, uh, you know, in years to come. So he went up and shored that one up. And then Trevor Rosenthal, we got to talk about as well.
1: Yeah. And these two signs, I like to think, I mean, um, it's obviously there are bigger, Holes to fill on this roster, of course. Bryce Harper's free agency, starting second baseman, starting mm-hmm. catcher, rotation, uh, holes to fill. So I feel like these two acquisitions early on this offseason, sort of just kind of house clean, house cleaning yeah. situations for Mike Rose. They needed to do it. They had two opportunities to, you know, fill some positions, um, and so he went and took a risk and he took a big risk on Trevor Rosenthal, another twenty-eight year old. He missed all of last season. Uh, this past season, recovering from Tommy John, uh, he's but he's a former proven closer. He's an all-star with the Cardinals. He has postseason experience. He has seven saves and an ERA of 0.69 in the playoffs, so yeah. that'll definitely play. He's a power-arm guy, and obviously that's kind of the sexy thing to do with bullpens now is to have a guy strikeouts are a plus. Guys who can blow people away, especially in the postseason. And in the showcase just a couple weeks ago, uh, Rosenthal touched 99, 100 miles per hour which um, the Nationals obviously l- liked. Mike Rizzo is known to take chances on guys who are covering for Tommy John. Tommy yeah. and John no longer is a death sentence, so to speak, anymore. They can uh, come sometimes come back stronger than before. Yep. And this is a relatively low financial risk for the Nationals in, in signing Trevor Rosenthal and
0: with a high reward. It definitely is. I think it's interesting because with Kyle Baraklaw, that's pretty low risk. And I would say low reward. With this one, I think the reward is is, could be a whole lot higher. I think his ceiling is a whole lot higher. We've seen him be close to dominant in years past, and it's just recovering from that. He was a closer for the most part in St. Louis, and he said uh, when he jumped on a conference call earlier this week that he's comfortable in whatever role they throw him in, high-leverage situations. Now to some pitchers, pitching in the eighth or seventh inning, if it's a high-leverage situation, can be – uh, more enticing for them because right. uh, more front offices are looking, uh, not looking at the save numbers per se, but looking at how do you do in clutch situations when we need you to get outs, whatever inning that may be. So uh, Rosenthal, it will be a huge help uh, there as well. I think the biggest thing, and we're going to get into it is these two guys are righties. Would have been nice yeah. if he had picked up a lefty by now. There's months left to of the off season. So I trust Mike Rizzo to do that. But I think that's going to be the, hu- the biggest thing that they need to look at in terms of the bullpen is getting lefties because that was a wasteland for them this past season.
1: I agree. I think the, the I, it sounds like we both like these acquisitions, but yep. I think the surprising part is that they're both right-handers, mm-hmm. and we're going to get into the, the Nationals are going to need some left-handed help yep. aside from Sean Doolittle in the bullpen. And so, I mean, it's one of those things where the opportunity came. You, got, you kind of have to bite. Um, and again, the Rosenthal— He's a proven all-star, but in terms of what he can bring to the table, not that high of a much of a financial um, risk risk or... uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Compensation? Compensation. No, like gamble, I guess. Okay. Um, One-year contract, Mm -hmm. only guaranteed $7 million, $6 million salary for this year. This is according to Mark Zuckerman of of, uh, massinsports.com. And then plus a $1 million buyout if they don't pick up his 2020 option. His 2020 option... Pays fourteen million, which would automatically be picked up if he appears in fifty games or mm-hmm. finishes thirty games. So that'll be interesting to see if if that if one he earns his buyout and two if the Nationals even decide to pick it up if he doesn't match it and how he performs in terms of health wise and on the on the mound.
0: Definitely. Uh, so those two guys are locked in there for right now is because the Nats just acquired them. But there are plenty of guys that we have to go through on this team that made appearances. It was a constant rotation of guys that we saw cavalcade of especially righties and lefties uh coming through so let's go through these rather quickly because we got a lot of names to go through let's start with the biggest name on that list sean doolittle Mm -hmm. uh coming back the lefty 32 years old team option for this year which was picked up he's got another option for next year absolutely outstanding season aside from the injuries 1.60 era with 25 saves That was a career high in saves and a career low in ERA. Pitched in just 43 games. He missed two months with that toe injury. And his ERA has been steadily going down for the last three seasons and culminated with this career year from Sean Doolittle.
1: You look at the past two seasons, Paul, the Nationals, and every team goes through injuries. And, you know, I'm not saying an excuse, but you look at 2017 Nationals. They have plenty of injuries. They still managed to win the division and make the playoffs. Yep. This year, no different in terms of injuries and how many, and they but they failed to make the playoffs. And I always and you know what I give credit to where credit is due. Mark Zuckerman always points this out too on Twitter and on his mm-hmm. blogs. Like it's not just about the number of injuries. It's who and when they occur. Yeah. And Sean Doolittle was a huge injury, a huge, massive massive loss for this team this year. You wonder where they would have been if they had their all-star closer, because he was an all-star this year, Mm -hmm. had an all-star closer for the entire season, if they maybe would have been able to pick up a couple more wins and been really into the hunt deep into September.
0: It seems like they saved their closest games for the time when Sean Doolittle was out, too. The closest and most crucial, too. If they wanted to make a wild card push, they would have had to got, get past teams like the Cardinals and Cubs, and they faced those two teams in back-to-back series, and they blew late leads in both those series in multiple games. It really was a, a huge, huge blow. The way that he was pitching, and it wasn't an injury that was expected to take that long. It, right. It didn't when it was first reported. Didn't seem like that big of a deal, and it ended up costing him two months, and it kept him from one of the better closer seasons of all time. Frankly, I yeah. mean that is in. He might have even garnered some Cy Young votes uh, from some candidates, uh, from some voters, if he had pitched maybe 65 games or something like right. that. Because a 1.60 ERA is outstanding. He was terrific. Great to see him back and hopefully fully healthy for next year. It was Never in doubt, really, that they were going to pick up his option. Uh, he is rock solid uh, in the back of that bullpen. Another
1: thing I love about Sean Doolittle is the stuff he does off the field, of course. very active in in the community and what him and his wife do around the D.C. area. And the D.C. has accepted them. They've accepted D.C. Also, in terms of the clubhouse, he's a clubhouse guy. He's only been here for a year and a half now, and he's already a big presence in that clubhouse. Guys look up to him. You saw him at the All-Star game, him and Max Scherzer, carrying the home run derby trophy to Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper embracing the both of them. So that's really cool that, Sean not only has performed really well, but has accepted D.C. as his hometown and, and the Nationals and his teammates. Um, hopefully he's stick around for much longer.
0: Let's hope so as well. Matt Grace, let's move on to him. He's 29 years old, lefty. Funny that at the end of the year we're talking about Matt Grace as the second biggest guy in that bullpen. You never would have thought because Brandon Kinsler struggled, Ryan Madsen struggled, and then both those guys were traded. Matt Grace ended up getting a lot of games under his belt, and he— Showed up, for the most part, 2.87 ERA in 56 games, 59 innings pitched. Those are all career best numbers, Uh, and he had the second lowest ERA to Sean Doolittle and the most innings pitched in that bullpen. Never would have thought, like I said before the season, that Matt Grace would get the most opportunities, but he made the most of them. His ERA went down almost two runs, a run and a half really, from 4.32 in 2017 when he pitched 50 innings, his innings went up, and he performed. Matt Grace is a huge piece for them as we talk about them needing lefties, and he's going to be crucial again next year. Um, and it's a shame that he was the only one of his kind of a good, solid lefty that they could rely on. But a great year, an unexpectedly great year for Matt Grace.
1: Yeah, like you said, you, you laid out all the numbers right there, 287 ERA, career high in games and innings. Um, the question moving forward with Matt Grace, I was, are the Nationals comfortable with him being a lefty presence in that bullpen, or do they feel like they need to go? Great yeah. season, so yeah. but does that warrant him? All right, you're the lefty guy now. You know, yeah. you're you're going to be part of the setting up Sean Doolittle. You're going to be our go-to le- lefty for matchups. We're, we'll get to Sammy Solis too a little bit, another lefty that's been a presence in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. But the question is, all right, is Matt Grace the guy for the future? Yeah. Um. Again, kind of a young guy, only 29. He seems like he's younger than that. Um, but well,
0: in terms of experience, in terms though. of experience, yeah, right. Major leagues. Um,
1: but, um, is he the guy moving yeah. forward that they can count on to be the matchup lefty guy that they need in a power lefty guy at that?
0: Definitely. And they used him a lot. And I think because of the bullpen woes, his production went kind of under the radar, but he was very good as well. I think, uh, when Sarah talked to Mark Zuckerman last week, he said, you know, it was great I think the, the front office appreciates what Matt Grace did, but I think they want to bolster uh that group of crop of lefties because let's jump right down to the next lefty on that list. Let's talk about Sammy Solis. Yeah. Let's go from the unexpectedly good to unexpectedly very bad. Yeah. Sammy Solis is age thirty season, 6.41 ERA in thirty-nine innings pitched. Righties were hitting three twenty-nine against him and lefties were hitting two twenty-four. He was expected to be the lefty specialist. They needed him, uh, and he did not perform. Uh, the exact opposite of Matt Grace. And uh, I went and looked at how many relievers had a higher, and pitchers had a higher ERA than Sammy Solis. Of the pitchers who had a higher ERA than that 6.41, only eight of them had more innings pitched. That just goes to show how desperate this team was to get production, especially from lefties, and Sammy Solis they kept giving him opportunities they kept yeah. bringing him back up and he failed to perform it was frustrating
1: yeah career high in games appeared 56 this year so mm-hmm. we know Sammy has a history of injuries um that's he's been kind of hampered with for over the over the years but this was his first full like year you yeah. know 56 games and uh, almost 40 innings that's significant that's enough to kind of have a note on a guy yep. reverse splits guy righties hit better than lefties um I'm sorry that's not reverse splits but re- I mean righties absolutely slugged him Yeah, lefties didn't do didn't fare too bad against him so yeah it was a weird um yeah just the complete opposite of Matt Grace and and yeah. uh, and now it's now that question which is different than Mac races, not, not can we count on him? It's like all right, where do we where do we go with this guy? Yeah. Because one, I mean, he's proven he has a track record for the injury, and two, you know, the one season he was fully healthy, he really struggled and yeah. he couldn't find a groove. Was he overused? Does he more does he need to be more of a matchup guy? Right? Uh, how do they move forward with Sammy Solis in terms of what his usage and? Do they need to monitor how much he gets used and stuff like that? A lot of questions surrounding Sammy heading into 2019. It'll be interesting to see how they approach him in spring training.
0: This was a guy who, a couple years ago, back in 2016, had a 2.41 ERA at age 27. Looked like he was going to be a fixture in this bullpen for years to come. ERA jumped all the way up close to 6 last year and then over 6 this year. You could tell Davey was frustrated with him. He wanted to use him more and just couldn't. The yeah. fact that he pitched in fifty plus games and couldn't get forty innings says they threw him in plenty of games and he couldn't get out of innings. Right. He got into more trouble than he was worth in a lot of those games, and that was incredibly frustrating. Is it
1: a question of he pitched in too many games? I mean, he right. fifty six is by far, his next career, career his next highest was thirty seven back in twenty sixteen mm. when he pitched his career high in innings of forty one and had a two four one era. Yeah. So is this a matter of you know he needs to? be used more sparingly, or was it just a bad year? Uh, it's kind of tricky to find out where Sammy Solis lands in terms yeah. of what exactly happened this season and, and why he was so bad. Because that's a big jump. That's almost 20-game difference. It's a 19-game difference between your previous career height and then having to play 56 games in one season. Can he handle the workload? Doesn't seem like he can. They might have to use him more sparingly.
0: They leave him in a—he leaves them rather in an awkward spot. Let's keep moving. Thirty-one-year-old Justin Miller, a righty, he had a three-point-six-one ERA in fifty-one games, fifty-two innings pitched. Those are career best numbers. Uh, His career ERA was close to five before this season, and he brought it down a lot. Had a pretty good year coming out of that bullpen. They signed him as a free agent back in January. Didn't pitch at all in the twenty seventeen season. And I think they got pretty good value for Justin from Justin Miller.
1: Yeah, definitely a guy who, like you said, didn't pitch in twenty seventeen. They kind of just found him, Mm -hmm. floating around there as a free agent, brought him in, and said, you know, hey, you know, we're gonna gonna take a risk and see what you got. And uh, yeah, a respectable three six ERA in fifty one games. He proved that he could, you know, if anything, eat up innings and um, go out there. I mean, that's uh, he appeared in a lot. So and it's again, it's a situation where they they needed him. They needed to find innings somewhere. Justin Miller was there. All right, you got to step up and show what you got. Yeah, he was definitely serviceable. Um, and uh, the Nationals, I think, you know, they took a risk and kind of won in that scenario. Yeah. Uh,
0: another guy that they picked up, this guy they picked up midseason, Greg Holland was a guy who got they got great production out of that was totally unexpected. Yeah. He was outstanding in the few appearances he made for the team. Just 21 innings pitched after they picked him up, after the Cardinals let him go. Just gave up two earned runs in those 21 innings. He was awful, awful in 32 games with St. Louis. Zero saves. And in the 21 innings with the Nets, he picked up three saves. A guy who has been great throughout his career— for whatever reason, it didn't work in in St. Louis. He was expected to be the closer, and he was awful. And then he comes back to the Nats, and it's like that half inning, half season never happened.
1: Yeah, kind of hoping that Trevor Rosenthal can continue the trend of former Cardinals relievers coming to DC and pitching really, really well. Mm-hmm. That ERA almost around eight with St. Louis is just such a mirage because you yeah. look at the, his career numbers. I mean, he has All Stars caliber seasons he had Cy Young voting MVP voting seasons when he was with the Royals so the Nationals knew that wasn't him for whatever reason it just did not click for him in St. Louis that wasn't the Greg Holland of old hopefully change of scenery kind of get him reacclimated. maybe just had to hit the reset button and he proved that you you know this that's not me I I can do (laughs) I can pitch much better than that you wonder how much his first half or that part with uh, the Cardinals is going to hurt him in free agency, mm-hmm. he's definitely going to be looking out there for a, kind of maybe a bigger contract that maybe the Nationals are willing to offer him, even though he pitched great for them. Yeah. And the other question is, you know, would he be willing to come back and pitch in the non-closer role? Right. When the Cardinals release him, you kind of have to just take whatever he's given to you. Yeah. Now, like, all right, I've, I ride it in my ship with the Nationals. Let's see if I can go get a closers contract somewhere out there. And it'll be interesting to see where he lands. Do, do the net with the signing of Rosenthal and, and the acquisition of Barracklaw do the Nats yeah. pursue him in free agency? That's gonna be the big question, Mark.
0: Yeah, I think they probably acquired those guys, maybe expecting to lose uh Greg Holland or Kelvin Herrera, who we'll talk about as well. Let's move right into Kelvin Herrera, he's 28 years old, uh, another veteran righty, another guy that they picked up mid season. They traded three prospects for him. Uh, back in June, I believe, so even a month at least before the trade deadline, they had their sights set on this guy. It was a time when skies were bright, looked like the Nats were just going to roll to that NLE's title. We were
1: very high on this acquisition, too. We were all in, like, yes, go get another quote-unquote closer to add the back end of the bullpen and and make a run at this.
0: And he ended up pitching fewer innings than Greg Holland did, just 18.2, two-thirds. 4.34 ERA, he struggled, and most importantly, because of injuries.
1: Yeah, he couldn't stay healthy. He he, he went on the DL basically twice. He had that right rotator cuff impingement in about Mm mid-August, and then six days after he got off the DL, season ended. Uh, He tore his uh, left list, Frank. um,
0: You said that beautifully. Thank you. Dr. Bobby.
1: Dr. Bob. Uh, Just six days after coming back from the DL, season ended, uh, which was – obviously very upsetting and and no one wants to see that you were you were hoping that maybe after coming off the deal the first time okay, he can kind of maybe find his groove prove his worth mm-hmm. but yeah it just didn't play out for the Nationals one of those things where like hey we like on the face of it like the like the move but it just yeah. didn't pan out this time
0: yeah and it's a shame they did have to give up three prospects for him yeah. it just didn't didn't work out for Kelvin Herrera considering his injury history and considering he's a veteran I don't see the team really pursuing yeah, as, yep. as heavily. Maybe I mean, if they, he comes cheaply.
1: Right. I mean, that's going to be the question with these two. Can Herrera prove that he's healthy again right. and can pitch a full season? And then can Greg Holland, will he find a bigger contract somewhere else? And even the guarantee of pitching in the ninth inning slot. Um, it'll be. I'll be curious to see if either one of those makes it or signs with a team before spring training. This could be a situation where one of those guys maybe slips and are just kind of... just kind of floating in the wind um come march and maybe the nationals all right we'll take another chance on you
0: from a 28 year old with injury concerns to another 28 year old with injury concerns tim collins the little guy the little lefty he's a free agent as well uh and he had a he missed two whole seasons with two tommy john surgeries the team the nats took a chance on this guy and he ended up doing eh, okay. Yeah. Uh 4.37 ERA and just 22 innings pitched. Uh if he's super cheap, maybe bring him back. Um I think he was just just below average this year. Uh great to see him get his career back on track from a personal note, just to get all right. the way back to the great big leagues is pretty cool. Uh they needed him I think more than they were hoping to need him. Um uh but yeah, I, I don't Particularly, see, maybe the fact that they are desperate for lefties means they'll go after Tim Collins, but uh, another guy who didn't quite give them enough production and who's older with injury concerns.
1: Yeah, I mean, like we said, Mike Rizzo likes guys with coming back from Tommy John, likes taking a risk on them, but two Tommy Johns, you come back, you only have an ERA above four. Only gave us yeah. 22 plus innings. It might be a time to move on and go find another more proven lefty to bolster up the bullpen. Moving right along. Speaking of right, right right-hander Wander Suero, 27. A guy with a nice strikeout-to-walk ratio. The guys will definitely play that the Nationals like. He's a guy that I think can maybe slot into that long relief role that we talked about last week that we could probably see maybe Jeffrey Rodriguez fill. Um, Tall, lanky, strong guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, ERA's a little high from where you like it, but he gave you innings. He ate up a lot of innings. um, And with a 47-15 to strikeout-to-walk ratio, That's something that the Nationals could use in middle relief slash emergency relief.
0: Definitely, and he's useful at least for the wander Uh, punts. I wonder if he'll have an impact on this next one. Yeah,
1: I wonder if he can get that ERA down closer to three.
0: Yeah, I liked him a lot this year. I thought that he gave them a lot of good innings. And Jimmy Cordero, another 27-year-old righty, he saw his first action, Major League action, in 2018. 5.68 ERA, they gave him... Fair number of opportunities. Nineteen innings pitched. Struggled with control. Uh, twelve to twelve strikeouts and walks this year. He was asked to do more than they were expecting him. Uh, than you know, at the beginning of the year because yeah. of their shortage of bullpen arms. Uh, Cordero did not show much though to show that he can be at twenty-seven year old years old a fixture in any bullpen.
1: Right. And but again, first major league action. Yeah. Um, Only nineteen innings. Yeah. Effort was there, admirable, but, um, you know, maybe not ready to play just yeah. yet in the, in the big leagues. Um, all right, what else
0: do we have? Tommy Malone. Yep. Uh, He's free agent. Free agent lefty, another guy that was called upon to do more. Yeah. Uh, I say no. Yeah, I, I, was, I was kind <laughs> was of just going to, kind of,
1: no offense to Tommy Malone, I was kind of just going to coast over him because I, I don't see the Nationals pursuing to bring him back yeah. anytime soon. I think they can probably go get him slightly more productive lefty out there on the market or entrust one of the younger guys to do
0: exactly it. those young guys let's touch on them real quick we got trevor gott kyle mcgowan Coda glover and austin williams all 25 and 26 years old all righties and they had varying levels of success trevor gott 5.68 era in those 19 innings pitch for him kyle mcgowan another era over five and a half Uh, in just seven-and-two-thirds innings pitched, They brought him up very late in the season, if you remember. Coda Glover, a guy who at the beginning of the year was injured again, struggled with injuries throughout his career. They expected this guy at one point in his career to be a future closer, uh, and he looked pretty good near the end of the year. And Austin Williams uh, did not get a whole lot of run, just nine-and-two-thirds innings pitched. Gave up five homers in those innings and an ERA over five. I think the name that really sticks out on this list of the four guys is Kota Glover. Yeah, it has to. He's a guy that
1: Nationals fans are familiar with. They were excited for him um, coming into this year, and then he just could not get healthy in spring training. Obviously, he did not get off to the start during the season that they wanted to. Um, but we've seen him been able to— to perform late in innings in high leverage situations, I love the energy he brings to the mound. Yeah, um, he's very into the game. Uh, he has great stuff. He he can pitch. Don't don't get me wrong. It's just the health issues. It's now it's becoming another consistent thing And the Nationals. For I think moving forward, if they want to get back to NL East, so they just cannot deal with these health issues any longer. Yeah, uh, depleted, depleted, depleted bullpen. We talked about it at nauseum this season. Coda um, Glover needs to have a full season under his belt that he can show that, hey, I'm a guy that can get guys out late in innings and in high leverage situations and maybe even fill a closer's role yeah. in an emergency situation.
0: Definitely. He's still only 25 years old, um, but I think he's pitched, what, three? This was his third season, um, and he's never pitched more than 20 innings in a season. And it's not only the injury concerns. I think it's the fact that he last year had some things of maybe he was hiding an injury, and he's had some weird Run ins uh, with this team that they've been frustrated with him, but he did perform well 3.31 ERA in just 16 innings and picked up a few saves as well. Got McGowan, Williams, maybe eventually down the line they can uh, be good bullpen pieces, but yeah. to me they fall in the same category as um, ch- ch- Jimmy Cordero, uh, as guys who, you know, right now just did not show a whole lot and that's why the team has already gone out and said they weren't enough we're gonna go get a couple veterans yep and
1: they're young they're young guys they still have time to grow they still have time to develop um it just it's not gonna happen all in one season or one and a half season however long it may be all right to the market let's head to the market paul (laughs) free agencies um where can the nationals go find help We've talked about it a couple times already. Mm-hmm. Probably need lefty help more than righty help at this point in terms of the two signings they've already made are right-handers. Where do you see left-handers out in the market that the Nationals could probably pursue?
0: Well, Bobby, I'm glad you asked because I went to the market and perused and came back with uh, some options for yeah. the Nationals. Oliver Perez, Tony Sipp, and Jake Diekman, I think, are three guys they might look at. Perez is the oldest guy on this list, and he had the best season of the three. 1.39 ERA in 51 games with the Indians. That's a far cry from his 4.81 ERA that he had in two seasons with the Nats several years ago, uh-huh. as you might, or a couple years ago, yep. as you might remember.
1: I do recall. Uh,
0: the Indians used him perfectly, I believe, and you know he is a guy that has showed this past year that he uh, can certainly pitch. Tony Sipp, 35 years old. Uh, He pitched in 54 games with the Houston Astros. Uh, He's been around a long time, uh, has been pretty mediocre uh, in his 10 seasons, but coming off a career year with an ERA under two. And finally, Jake Diekman, the youngest guy, 31, uh, was traded midseason from the Rangers to the Diamondbacks and uh, went to the Diamondbacks and really struggled. Uh, 7.53 ERA from him. Maybe he'll have a bounce-back year next year. So those are the three guys I would look at. Perez, Sip, and Deekman.
1: All right, interesting names. A name that I am curious that it's left off this list, but I'm going to throw it at you, see what you
0: think. Give it to me.
1: Zach Britton. Ooh! A left-handed free agent. Um, we A knew closer. Closer, a guy who we know very well from his time here in Baltimore, a former Cy Young candidate, an all-star left-handed guy set records here in Baltimore. Yep. Um wasn't too strong with I mean he comes he's coming off an injury. He had this offseason injury that delayed his start to this season. Yep. Didn't pitch great with the uh, Orioles when he was up here in Baltimore for a little bit, but then obviously the big trade to the Yankees and then he pitched admirably for them. Got an ERA under three mm. and uh twenty five games with them. Uh I don't think he pitched too well in the postseason though. But we've seen him. Well, actually, we've seen him not pitch in the postseason too. Yeah, uh, is that a oh. g- name? It's a big name, and uh, Scott Bohr's client. Yeah, we know his relationship with the Nationals' front office. Is that a name that maybe comes up and in uh, free agent talkings in the Nationals' front office? Potentially Marcosco?
0: another guy that I think that, yeah, as you mentioned, wouldn't be a, a closer. Would have to accept that coming in. Yeah, but somebody that they might rely on in high leverage situations. Um, yeah to me i i would really give it a hard look and a, a long pause because i would worry about his his health yeah uh, and he really didn't look great with the yankees he yeah. um you know has a high ceiling still as a he was a cy young candidate a couple of years ago back in 2016 but you have to look at the secondary stats and look at how uh, you know, maybe his velocity is held up after the injury, and how his strike rate has held up. So I would I would look at um, look at Zach Britton, but to me. He's probably going to be uh, too too expensive, considering how much Boris likes to get for his clients. Right,
1: of course, and uh, he'll also probably probably be looking for a closers opportunity yeah. somewhere. I'm not exactly sure, to be honest. Who else are looking for closers yeah, out there? I don't there. know if we'll
0: get it, and I don't know if teams are valuing the closer as much as they used to.
1: Right, and it's, so it's it's going to be that's just it's kind of a big name, it's kind of flying under the radar this Everyone's yeah. talking about the Harper's Machados, Kershaw's off the board, obviously. Um, but Zach Britton is, is a big yeah. close or big reliever name out there that I don't feel like people are talking enough about much about. So yeah, that's a name that'd be thrown out there. Again, he would have to be okay with not being the closer here, but could you maybe come to a contender and come to a young bullpen and be a leader yeah. and, and contributor and hopefully turn this bullpen around and bring the nationals back into contention in the NLE.
0: So who knows? Definitely. This is going to be a fascinating, fascinating free agent class for many reasons, uh, from, you know, position players to starting pitchers that we touched on. This is going to be an awesome free agent class. I expect, Mike's uh, Mike Rizzo to spend heavily, yeah. whether it's on Bryce Harper or on a, a number of players, because I think they are going to dip very deep into their pockets to get some of the big names on the market. I mean,
1: it's so crazy that it feels like we've been counting down to this free agent class for at least two years now, and it's yep. finally here, so it's going to be an interesting offseason. Of course, stick with us all offseason long on the Maths and All Access podcast. SoundCloud, SoundCloud.com slash Mass on All Access. Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Just search Mass and All Access Podcast. You can also reach out to us at Bobby underscore Blanco on Twitter, at Paul Mancano on Twitter. We'll be happy to chat with you. Love chatting with fans all offseason. Um, and make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. Spread the word. Uh, we'll be covering the Nationals offseason season All off-season long. Yeah. And especially in heading toward the winter meetings in Las Vegas. So looking forward to that. For Paul Mancano, Bobby Blanco, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time.